it is great to be with all of you here today, and I am very honored to be invited into your home. Those of you who are watching with us right now, those of you who are in the South right now, who are in Florida and, and the Carolinas, just know that we are praying for you and that the church here uh, continues to pray for you, for your safety, for your well-being, and we're just so thankful that we get to spend some time with you this morning. Now, for the last couple of weeks, we have been in a series called Seeing Jesus, and what we've been doing is we've been linking this series to our year-long journey through the Bible with the Bible Recap. Now, we started this back together as a congregation in January, and so this weekend, October 1st and 2nd, this is when we start reading. If, you're stay, if, you, if you've been on track, this is when you start reading the New Testament, and so we've been taking a couple of weeks to just kind of pause for a minute and look at some of the many ways that a thousand years, 1500 years before Jesus is born, that God was already working to help humanity and to help the world see Jesus and to recognize Jesus. Now, because we're starting the New Testament this weekend, this is a great opportunity for you to join in or to rejoin with us. Even if you've missed a bunch of days, if you look at the Bible app and you're like 100 days missed, right, 150 days missed, and you just feel so guilty, you don't even want to open the app anymore, right, I understand that completely. Just do it anyway. Go over to our website right here at this page. It'll give you everything that you need to know to rejoin if you need to do that or to start um, with us as we begin to read through the New Testament together. Now, last week, if you were with us, uh, we exploded a, a little bit of a myth. Um, and, and this myth is something that, that many people in our world believe. It's something that oftentimes um, you, you hear people talk about, even if they don't use the exact words that we did. Um, but last year, we, well, last week, what we talked about the, was this, that God um, did not actually give people rules to create a path to him. That instead, what do God did is he gave rules to a group of people who are already in with him, right? And that's different because most of us, even if we've grown up in church, most of us have this idea that there is a good God somewhere. Uh, and so God kind of threw these rules out to us uh, um, and kind of sits back and says, okay, let's see how well you do w with all that. That somehow rules are kind of like a path to God, right? And you can't actually get to God unless you obey his rules, and then if you obey his rules, then God will bless you, then God will answer your prayers, then God will heal your son, he'll heal your daughter, he'll help you with your business, whatever that is. But what we discovered last week, um, is, and when it comes to God, and specifically the God of the Bible, that rules never establish a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Instead, rules are always confirmation. Right? They're always confirmation of a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That he never gives us rules as a condition of relationship, but instead as confirmation of a relationship. That you give your rules to your kids, I give rules to my kids, and so God gave rules to his kids. And so um, anything he asks you to do, we talked about this last week, anything you experience God asking you or telling you to do in here, it's just evidence, right? It's just a reminder that your Heavenly Father loves you. Now today, as we wrap up this series together, um, we're going to talk about one more area uh, of tension um, that we read about in the New Testament. We read about this in the Old Testament. In fact, um, th this, is, this, is the, this is the thing that's actually at the core. When you read the Gospels and you see Jesus and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, constantly fighting with each other, constantly arguing with each other, this tension that we're going to talk about today is the thing that fueled that conflict and fueled that tension. 
And it's something that Jesus says in Mark chapter 2 that helps us to understand and to resolve this tension that every single one of us have experienced. Now, before we jump into Mark chapter 2 together, there's two pieces of context that we need to have in order to really understand and apply what it is that we're going to talk about today. Um, and, And the first is this. Both Jesus and the religious leaders agreed that the law was important and that people were important. Okay, These were values that both Jesus and the religious leaders shared. What they argued over was how to prioritize these values. Now, we do this all the time, right? You, you think about this. We do this all the time. Um, you you want to hang out with your friends, but you've also got to do homework, right? So you got to prioritize some values. Um, you you, you want to spend time with your family, but you also need a paycheck, so you have to go to work, right? So you have to prioritize y- your values. The interesting thing is this. Jesus and the religious leaders never argued about what was valuable, right? They never argued whether or not people should keep the law. They never argued about whether or not people were important to God. They're never argued about any of that what they had conflict over constantly which was which one of these was to be in first place right and Jesus consistently consistently prioritized loving people over right and and this is tough but Jesus consistently prioritized loving people over rules and remember he's the son of God Right? He's the one who, who made the rules. Right, He's the one who made the laws. He's the one who established the customs and the traditions in the first place. And see, the Pharisees, they just could not understand why. Why, why if Jesus, if you're really from God, Jesus, you claim to be a rabbi, you claim to be a teacher from God. If you're really a teacher from God, then why in the world would you prioritize something else over God's rules because they would even remind Jesus that he said things like anyone who sets aside even the smallest amount of the law that person is going to be called the least in the kingdom of heaven right but then in the very next moment they would see Jesus appearing to disregard what he just said by going and helping somebody who is in need and so they just could not understand Jesus Right. And I think the truth is for us, if we kind of stop for a minute and and we think about that for ourselves, I mean, I I think the truth is we understand that, don't we? Because, see, every single one of us who who say that we follow Jesus or that following Jesus is important to us, all of us, wouldn't we agree that the, the, the things that we read about in the scripture, that those rules and those laws and those commands, that those we feel that those things are important? that we think that we're supposed to do what it is that Scripture tells us to, to do, right? Now, I- again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I understand that, um, right? This doesn't apply to you. Um, you don't care about this. This isn't a struggle for you. This isn't hard for you. Uh, in fact, you, you just think to yourself, okay, just get over it. Like, this doesn't even matter. Why is this even a source of tension, right? I understand that. Okay, but see, for all of us who are, right? I mean, wouldn't you say that what you read about in here wouldn't you say that matters, right? I, I, I do. I think so. And so I would think that you do as well. Now, the other piece of context that we need is, is this. The thing that made the religious leaders the most angry, like furious with Jesus, was whenever Jesus would actually go and do something on the Sabbath. 
right? Because the, the religious leaders had come up with all these things, all these rules, because the Sabbath was supposed to be holy. So they had all these things you were supposed to do on the Sabbath, and they had a whole bunch of things that you were not supposed to do on the Sabbath. And this is where we actually pick up with Jesus in Mark chapter 2. If you want to follow along in the Bibles, one of the Bibles in front of you or on your, your device, uh, Mark chapter 2, Mark tells us this, that one Sabbath, as Jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along with him, they, meaning his disciples, they began to pick some heads of, of grain. Now, this sounds kind of weird to us, but this would basically be like you eating sunflower seeds on a road trip. Right, that's, that's basically what's happening. Right, They're going someplace, they're on a trip, they're hungry. And so the disciples, they start breaking off these heads of grain as they're walking through the field before the grain has been harvested. Right? And so the Pharisees, they see Jesus' disciples doing this. And so they look at Jesus and they look at his disciples and they say to them, right, look, teacher, right, Jesus, why are they, meaning your disciples, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath, right? Why are they, they, they and Jesus is like, okay, um, you're, you're being, like seriously, like you're being so ridiculous right now, right? They're not working, they're eating, right? They're, they're breaking off individual kernels of grain and, and they're eating them. It's not like they're, they're not harvesting anything. You're, you're just being ridiculous, Right, but notice what Jesus does next. Instead of getting into this big argument with them, instead of starting a fight with them, he simply reminds them of something that happened in the life of King David, right? Great King David, second king of, of Israel. When David and his men ate something that they should not have eaten on a day when they should not have eaten it. And then Jesus makes this hugely significant statement, the statement that's so easy for us to miss, and yet which speaks directly to what it is that we're talking about today. And what Jesus says next is what makes being a follower of Jesus incredible and terrifying and difficult and messy and wonderful all at the same time. Jesus looks at the Pharisees, he looks at the disciples, and he says this. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right. In other words, he's saying, OK, listen, you got to understand, it's not like, you know, God had all these rules. And so he thought to himself, OK, so what I need now are some people to keep these amazing rules that I've come up with. Right. Jesus is saying, listen, you, you got it backwards. Right. You got it backwards. Yes, the law is important. Yes, people are important. But understand, God didn't create the law and then create people. No, God actually created people. Then he created the law. The law is for people, right? Or to put it into our context, right? If you're a parent, you did not have children, so there'll be someone to take out the trash, right? Some of you children, this is good for you to know. You can remind your parents of that. That's not your sole purpose for being a part uh, of the family, right? That's what, this is our context. Now, again, that's funny, right? That's funny. That's maybe a little silly, um, but understand why this is such a big deal. Understand wh why this is so critical for us today. Because see, even though, listen, and you know this, depending on, even though every single one of us has grown up in a different family and a different experience of family, isn't it true that if you grew up in a family where mom and dad, they were just all about the rules, right? And, and you just, you don't bend the rules, you don't break the rules because a rule is a rule is a rule is a rule. Right, isn't it true that that was probably, even though that was probably a very orderly place to grow up, you couldn't wait to leave, right? 
See, he, here's, listen, he, here's, what, um, this is, he, here's what great parents do. Okay, here's what great parents do. And I'm going to say this not from the context of saying that I am a great parent. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that as a parent able to look back on 25 years of parenting, and as I can think about the times where I, I've kind of done a good job, and then the other times where I really have these areas and these seasons of regret, things that I wish I could just, if I could do anything, I would just do anything or give anything to go back and change, right? If that's the context uh, of what I'm about to say, understand this, that listen, great parents always, great parents have to, right? Great parents always set rules for their children, always, right? This is number one job as a parent. But when it's appropriate and when it's in the best interest of the child, right, great parents actually break their own rules. Bedtime is at 8 o'clock every single night. But tonight, you can stay up till 9. Tomorrow, you don't have to go to school. Listen, I, I, know, I know that going to school every single day is a rule. Uh, it's a good rule. I know that going to school every single day is an important rule. I understand that. But because of what you have happening tomorrow, right, tomorrow, you don't have to go. See, great parents, great parents decide that their children are actually more important than the laws and the rules that the parents themselves make. And see, when as a parent, when I lose sight of that, I create a very orderly environment that my children can't wait to get out of. And see, God is a perfect heavenly father, right? And he did not create people for the law. He created the law for people. And the truth is, this actually goes both ways. Because he has my sons would tell you there have been plenty of times where I've had to say to them, okay, listen, I need to tell you something and you are not going to like what I'm about to tell you because, listen, I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind. And, yeah, I know I told you that you could, but now you can't. And, yes, I am breaking my promise. And, yes, I am going back on my word. And I know I told you that I would never break my promise or go back on my word, but I am breaking my own rule. And do you understand why I'm breaking my own rule right now? It's because I looked into this more. And now that I've looked into this more, you're not doing this anymore. And you're right. You're right. I am going back on what I said. But listen, you matter more to me than my rule. You are more important to me than the rules that I make. And listen, sometimes I break my rules and you love me. And other times I break my rules and you hate me. But do you understand what both of those scenarios have in common? It's you. It's you. Because you are more important than the rules that I make. You are more important than a rule. See, that's what good parents do. And your heavenly father is a very, very good parent. See, this is what makes all of us religious people very, 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 very nervous, isn't it? And the truth is, it should. 
we could. But this was not a new idea. When Jesus said this to these Pharisees, this was not a new idea. Right? Not a new idea at all. In fact, when you actually read the Old Testament, when you read the prophets, one of the themes that you discover that comes jumping out right, right up front with the prophets is that the nation of Israel had this nasty habit of, of trying to find out ways and figure out ways to use God's law to actually hurt God's people. And so what they would do is they would go out and they would mistreat each other, and then they would go to the temple and offer a sacrifice because they said, well, listen, in the law of God, it just simply says that if you do something wrong, then we go to the temple and we offer a, a sacrifice as a result of that. And so these people got into this habit of breaking the intention of God's law, right, by, by treating each other terribly. And then they would just go to the temple, they would offer a sacrifice um, as if they're pulling one over on God. Like, like we can do whatever we want to do and God has no choice but to forgive us because you know how it works. Like God said, if, if we, then he. And, and so they were trying to use God's word against him like they found a, a loophole in a contract or something. And, and so periodically a prophet would show up in the nation of Israel and, and they would say to the people of Israel, like, okay, do you not know that God knows exactly what you're doing? I mean, you don't really think God's that dumb, do you? That's what they would say to the people of Israel. Do you think God is, is stupid? And the people of Israel would always respond the same way. And they would respond, but God said, but God said, but God said, but mom said, but mom said, but dad said, but dad said, but dad said, but God said. God said, we're supposed to make sacrifices. And the prophet would respond, no, what God told you is that you're supposed to treat people well and then you make a sacrifice when there's an exception to that. But see, you've tried to make the sacrifice a loophole. So you could just keep on doing whatever it is that you want to do. Okay, this is how Isaiah puts it in chapter 1 of, of Isaiah. He says, listen to these words, think about this. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have had more than enough of burnt offerings of rams, the fat, of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of, of bulls and lambs and goats, right? To which the people of Israel responded to Isaiah by saying, listen, but God's the one who made the rules. God's the one who, who told us to kill all these animals in the first place, which is true, which is true. But see, sin was to be the exception to the rule, right? Not the rule. And God's saying to the people, like, listen, you're, you're acting like you found some kind of a divine cosmic loophole or something. Do you, do you really think I'm that dumb? God continues, and he says this. Listen to this. Stop bringing me meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable. Now think about the harshness, right? You, you can feel the harshness in, in these words. You, you know what this means for some of us? For some of us who are here right now, some of us who are watching right now? The, the truth, this is what this means, and this is hard. This is hard. For some of you that are here, for some of you watching, the only reason you're here watching right now is because of something you did this past week. Or something that you know you're going to do this next week. And you said you wouldn't, but you did. Or you promised that you would, and you know you're not going to. 
right? And so what do we do? We, we do this kind of deal with God, and we say, okay, God, look at me. Look at where I am today. I am in church, right? And God's like, okay, come on. Come on, don't play that game with me, please. I'm your heavenly father, right? I'm your heavenly father. I don't give you rules and laws. I don't poke your conscience, right? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that to get you to obey some kind of arbitrary rule or law that I made. Listen, I love you. I love you. And that, that stuff, that sin that you're messing with, that you're engaging with, that you're participating with, that sin is destroying you. It's destroying your heart. And you're going to use like church attendance or the fact that you read some part of the Bible today as some way of trying to make me happy? God says, newsflash, the goal is not to make me happy, right? Do you know that? The goal is actually for you to live a life which is honoring to me, which in turn is actually going to bring you joy. So don't make something, don't, don't make church, don't make worship. Right, something that you do to somehow appease me. I'm, I'm not in love with a bunch of rules. I'm not in love even with morality. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. So please do not play games with me. Right? This is the Old Testament. This is Isaiah. This is 800 years. Right? 800 years before Jesus was born. Stop bringing me meaningless offerings, right? And then listen to God's, listen to God's application of this. This is what God tells us is most important to him. This is huge. Learn to do right. This is what God values. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. This is the heart of your heavenly father right here. And so it really should not be any surprise to us. It should not have been a surprise to the Pharisees because this is 800 years before Jesus. When Jesus shows up, it should be no surprise to anybody that this is, what, this is, what Je this is Jesus' message consistently. Right, but the Pharisees, and, and, and some of you, you, you know this, right? The Pharisees are always trying to trick Jesus. They're always trying to trap Jesus. They're always coming up with some kind of a plan to get Jesus to say or do something that they can use to somehow discredit Jesus amongst his followers, amongst the people. One day the Pharisees get together. You've heard this story. And they come up with, they think this is an amazing plan because it just so happens that one of their own, a Pharisee, is also an expert in the law, right? He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer, he's an expert in the law of Moses. So they come up with this great plan. And so the, this expert in the law goes to Jesus and confronts Jesus. And you gotta, you gotta picture this, right? Because you can hear this if you, if you picture this in your mind. And he says, teacher, right? Teacher, he's just sucking up to Jesus, right? What a suck up. Teacher, we have so much respect for you. Teacher, right? Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Out of the 613 laws of Moses, throw the Ten Commandments in. You know, God's given us 624 laws. So, so which 623 laws, which one? Jesus, just pick one. You know, out of 623, just pick one. Which one is the greatest one? Which one is the most important one? 
And, and they're absolutely convinced that no matter how Jesus responds to this question, they're going to have something that they can use against Jesus. And, and you know this story. Jesus responds, and he looks at the teacher in the law. He looks at the Pharisees, and he says to all of them, listen, love the Lord your God right, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Right? This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the, the Pharisees listening to Jesus that day, they thought to themselves, okay, this is awesome. right? Because nobody can see my heart. And nobody can actually see my soul. And nobody can see my mind. So I can convince everyone around me that I am a commandment keeper. That I am keeping the greatest commandment. That I am a rule follower. But if you know the story, you know that Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus just kept right on going, and he said to them, and the second is like it. And they were like, okay, wait, 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 wait time, time, time out, Jesus. We didn't say, what are you, what are you talking about second? We just said first. We, we just said greatest. But Jesus, he just keeps right on going, and the second is like it. Right? Jesus says, okay, I'm telling you what the greatest is. The greatest actually has two parts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and the second is like it, and like it means equal to, like it means it clarifies, like it means it makes the first half measurable and understandable. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's the second half that keeps me from simply being a religious person who does religious things while ignoring what's most important to the heart of my Heavenly Father. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself and see that I know whether or not I'm actually doing and see this is so important and if you are brand new to following Jesus do not miss this right do not miss this Jesus says this all now in the Greek this is a fascinating word because in the Greek do you know what this word means all that's right in the Greek it actually that's what it means it, it means all all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, this is, now this is what Jesus is saying. This is huge. If you ever read something in the Old Testament, right, you ever read something in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, you read the law of Moses and you think, okay, what is the point of this? What are these people trying to say? What is going on here? What's happening? Jesus is answering that question. He's telling you, listen, it's all about it's all defining, it's all clarifying, it's all illustrating, it's all pointing to these two things. Love God and love your neighbor. Right, in other words, Jesus is saying this, listen, if, if you ever read any of the Old Testament, right, if you ever read any of the Old Testament and, and you walk away with an application that's different than this, then you read this wrong. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, if you give yourself credit for, for, for being a devout person because of something that you're doing based on something that you read in here, Jesus is saying, listen, you're living wrong. That's why there's not just one. That's why there's two. Now, here's where this is absolutely critical for you and me, for us as followers of Jesus in the 21st century, right? After, on the other side of the resurrection. This is huge. Because, listen, if this is what Jesus believed, right, and if this is what Jesus taught, then that means everything that Jesus taught 
and everything that everybody who came after Jesus, that's what they taught as well, meaning the entire New Testament. That means this hangs on this as well. So over the next 90 days, if you decide to join us in reading through the New Testament, if you ever read something the Apostle Paul wrote or Peter wrote or James wrote and you're reading it and you don't understand it and you're confused and you're thinking to yourself, okay, what in the world um, does this person mean by what they just said? This is what they mean. Right? This is what they mean right here. See, this is all about becoming. Right? Remember last week if you were with us, we talked about those three words in our lobby, belong, believe, become. Right? This is all about becoming. This is all about what it looks like to actually become a follower of Jesus. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not about keeping a bunch of rules. Because listen, Jesus never allowed what he believed to prevent him from loving another person. And see, this is so important and this is so incredibly challenging for us. I don't even know how to explain this or to put this into, into terms that we understand. But listen, love demands inconsistency. It absolutely demands inconsistency, always. Right? This is what we discover in, in the Gospels over and over and over again. And the truth is, as parents, if you're a parent, every great parent understands this. But as soon as we bring this truth into a religious context, everybody, including me, starts getting really, really nervous really, really quickly. Right? Because this creates tension, doesn't it? Like the tension that this idea creates is just palpable. Right? It is so thick. And Jesus, you read the Gospels, he never resolves this tension. He simply says this, when you do not know what to do, you do what love requires of you. Now, how do you know that's true? When you read the Gospels, what do you discover over and over? What do you discover in the epistles? Jesus did not die for a bunch of precepts and principles. He died for people. Jesus did not die for laws. He died for lawbreakers. Jesus did not die for rules. Jesus actually didn't even die for sin. Jesus died for sin first. But most importantly, what Jesus died for? You. died for you. As we wrap up today, once again, I have three questions I would love for you to think about yourself. I'd love it even more if you'd actually talk about these with some friends or perhaps in a small group. These are on your outline. If you're watching with us right now, um, you can grab these on our Faith Troy app or you can just simply take a picture of the screen, which is so much simpler. The first one is this. Do you tend to follow rules to the letter? Or are you the person that bends them or breaks them? And how do you think that tendency has actually influenced the way that you view and the way that you see God? Number two, is it difficult for you to believe that God actually values you above his own rules? Why or why not? And then lastly, 
what is something that you can actually do this week, something tangible, something practical to prioritize loving God and loving other people over, right, and this is the most important part, over what's simply comfortable or easy for you personally. As we prepare our hearts to receive communion and to participate in the body and the blood of Jesus, I'm going to ask that you just um, bow your heads. Let me let me pray for you this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Uh, then I'm going to ask you to, to just speak to your Heavenly Father um, yourself for a moment. But first, uh, I want to pray for, for all of us. Heavenly Father, um, the reason we're here today, whether we realize this or not, whether this is a brand new idea um, or, or something that we have uh, learned and, uh, and internalized many, many years ago, is that because ultimately you broke your own rules. Heavenly Father, you actually gave to us the love and the mercy and the grace that we didn't deserve. And Jesus, you chose. You, nobody forced you to do this. Your Heavenly Father didn't force you to do this. Um, nobody made you do this. But Jesus, you volunteered. You, you chose to accept a punishment and a consequence that your own rules said should have been ours. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that for all of us, that you remind us of that truth, or you allow the significance of that truth to penetrate our hearts today. Most of all, Holy Spirit, I ask that for all of us, that you just give us the wisdom to know how. in this complex world, in this complicated world, in the difficult situations, all of us find ourselves in this world. How in the world, how can we live a life that reflects how we love people like you love people, Jesus, while at the same time not giving up our convictions, not giving up our beliefs, not giving up our values. Jesus, that is what you did for us. We've seen you do it, so it's possible. And so, Holy Spirit, I just ask for all of us, for me especially, that you would give us the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to follow through. And Jesus, I ask that for all of us, that in these next few moments, you would hear each of us as we personally and silently confess our sin.
Heavenly Father, I understand um, the tension that this creates because it creates that tension in me. And yet the Apostle Paul, Jesus, the authors of the New Testament, they, they just make it so clear, so clear that this is, this is how you see us, this is how you value us. It's the Apostle Paul who, who makes it crystal clear and he reminds each of us and he says, while you were still a sinner, while you were still sinning, before you even knew that there was a God who loved you, before you even knew there was a, a savior who died for you and who lives for you, while you were still lost, while you were still a sinner, it's in that moment and that experience that Jesus Christ willingly gave up his life and died for you. And so the good news of the gospel is through the blood, through the death, and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your sin, it is truly forgiven in Jesus' name.